It just felt like it was a gay joke that made it okay to experiment with gay. It's like, you know, give it that old college try, like, let's experiment with our bodies, but instead we're hurting ourselves. Harmony Colangelo is one of the hosts of This Ends at Prom, a podcast that analyzes coming-of-age teen girl movies through a queer feminist lens, using her perspective as a trans woman and her wife BJ's perspective as a cisgender woman. Harmony is also a pop culture and horror writer, co-author with her wife of a book about the classic slasher Sleepaway Camp. Today we are skating and screaming down a grimy memory lane to talk more about the teen boy content of Jackass, how the show affected our own journey with gender, how it affected the greater culture of masculinity, the Peter Pan syndrome it couldn't help but encourage, and the stunts and pranks that generously provided us with dangerous inspiration and an eternal source of unhinged laughter. I'm your host, Chelsea Weber-Smith, and this is American Hysteria. Hello, Harmony. I could not be more excited to talk to anyone about Jackass. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here. (laughs) I'm glad to be here. I mean, just to get it out of the way, Jackass Forever was my favorite movie of that year. Um, (laughs) Sorry to anyone else who didn't stand a chance. (laughs) (laughs) And this is why you're here. This is why you're here. Um, So you and I, what year were you born, first of all? 1991. So Okay. 10 years old. Yeah. Right in the zone. Right in the zone. Of like a little too young to be watching this. Yeah. And I'm 88. So we're close. And I had a little too much freedom at the time I was watching this Mm -hmm. because I was in middle school and you get a little bit more, uh, a little bit more to work with there in terms of uh, time to fuck off and do stupid shit. So will you start off with uh, telling me about your relationship to Jackass, like as you were growing up Um, and let's everyone remember, remember we are at this time in the early 2000s, everything is very different. Context is everything. Uh, I just thought we should get that out of the way. Um, so tell me, Harmony, about your experience growing up with Jackass. Oh, my God. It's Jackass was one of those great communicators where if you have a movie night, surely something that will always get a response is putting on a Jackass movie. Oh, yeah. Like, my house was right next to the high school, so during high school we would have you know, Friday nights, we'd all come over to our house, uh, come over to my house and put something on. And, you know, have you ever made a movie night and you're just watching movies with friends and they're just totally not feeling it and just sitting in dead silence? And that would be a time now where people would just be fucking around on their phone. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's a horror. It feels very bad. <laughs> Sometimes a movie just doesn't yeah. land. But even if it was a bad reaction, they got a reaction out of watching Jackass movies. So I was like, well, we're going to do this at least once a month, at least. Yeah. So, um, no, Jackass was like... I have very vague memories of my first 10 years. So by the time I start to gain sentience as a, as a human and not just a blob of cells, I distinctly remember Jackass always being present. I came to the series through little bits and pieces because the show was already off the air by the time we finally got MTV in my house. However, when we did get it, uh, at the time, Comedy Central would do like their late night airings of like mm-hmm. Comedy Central Uncensored or whatever it would have been called. And Jackass, the movie, the first one, would make a lot of plays around then because I believe Comedy Central is the same company that owned MTV. So there was no reason not to. And, oh, my God, I recorded it on a VHS. So I had, like, that interspersed with a million Girls Gone Wild ads every commercial break. (laughs) Yes, of course. I wasn't even thinking about how those would have paired so well together, I suppose. It's the most of its time <laughs> thing you could imagine, but it was the best thing I'd ever seen. It's like <laughs> the first time you as a child discover experimental cinema or something. Like this is this is our Kentucky Fried movie or Pink Flamingos, but it's like Looney Tunes. Yes. Because it's the dumbest, silliest shit you'll ever see. 
And they actually, Johnny Knoxville talks about how part of their shtick is like modeled after Tom and Jerry specifically, mm-hmm. which I yeah. love. <laughs> that uh, Knoxville really wants to be Buster Keaton and a bunch of like silent movie guys who just like, yeah, oh, do yeah. my own stunts. Absolutely. And that was left out of our episode. Sadly, we were going through all of Knoxville's um, inspirations and we ended up just focusing on Evil Knievel and his Mm -hmm. outrageous, outrageous life. But yeah, Buster Keaton was maybe a classier version of a hero for Johnny Knoxville. (laughs) Um, And and even John Waters, you know, was Mm -hmm. a a hero for him. And John Waters uh, said that if it had been, a you know, if Johnny Knoxville had been part of their crew, it might have been him instead of divine that ate dog shit so i mean john waters makes a cameo in the second movie as a creepy magician johnny knoxville obviously stars in one of the last john waters films of a dirty Mm -hmm, shame mm -hmm. so like there's a lot of mutual love there as there should be because i feel like the jackass films truly are like the first stepping point to what you would see with like john waters as like a young queer person because john waters like he's the guy He's Mm -hmm. the guy of queer cinema and young people and people who are a little bit more prudish want to be like, no, cancel John Waters. He's problematic. I'm like, you can't. You can't. You can't touch this man. No. Leave him alone. (laughs) He doesn't care what you think. (laughs) He he sure doesn't. (laughs) Yeah. But like, I think this is like the first entry point to that kind of really avant-garde commit to the bit kind of cinema. That's the whole ethos of Jackass. That's the whole ethos of me where like. I'm getting older now and I have responsibilities and stuff where I have to commit, like, I have to put real brain power into don't egg me on. I might do this, but now I'm having to weigh the pros and cons because it's not as cute when you're in your 30s as when you're like in your 20s. It's very true. It's very true. Remember, don't try this at home. Yep, never try this at home. But also, we all tried this at home. Oh, yeah. I jumped off my roof. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was really a big... um, Get pushed in the shopping cart into the bushes. That oh, was classic. a big one. Uh, yeah. yeah. Did you skateboard? I tried. Yeah. I have one foot that's much flatter than the other, and I'm also really tall. <laughs> so, like, I think that it's just kind of like when you see a palm tree sway and a little too much breeze, where it's just like, that's just really top heavy and cumbersome. So that was you. It didn't work well for me. <laughs> but you tried. You had the spirit inside you. I gave it a shot. <laughs> I wasn't afraid to fall. And I did it a lot. And like going back to sort of the John Waters thing, it makes me think about how D- I mean, John Waters crew very DIY, obviously oh, yeah. had to be. And then it, like to compare that to sort of Big Brother CKY and how that produced, you know, these kind of cinematic masterpieces the way that it would eventually happen with John Waters. Like they have a a similar trajectory of just like a ragtag group of people that somehow through their like malarkey spoke to exactly what a culture needed at the time. Oh, yeah. I was I was a little too young for Big Brother, but if I had read that, it would have been my whole personality, I think, <laughs> you know, warts and all. But God, it's it's really fascinating when you think about how specifically Big Brother started to blow up as like a multimedia thing because of the skate. We'll put that in big quotes, skate videos they were making. Yeah. And how that's like the primordial soup that Jackass crawls out of. It's really fun to think about the 90s when getting a camera was not as exorbitantly expensive as it had been in previous decades. Mm -hmm. So now you just have people filming shit and it is predicting everything we will ever see about the Internet, especially like early YouTube, where everyone's like, it's a prank, bro, or just people doing dumb stunts. That are a little too intense for like America's Funniest Home Videos. Yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. No, that's a great point. And it, it is something just changed fundamentally about what art is in a certain mm-hmm. sense, because and it always does. Right. When the medium becomes accessible to like the masses rather than just like the hyper rich we were f- filming like their fucking bullshit for a long time. But then, mm-hmm. you know, they just it was a, tr- a trickle down economics into the 90s of yeah, uh, sure. these cameras. And yeah. It's it's one of those things that I like to think about where um, 
Beavis and Butthead was like one of the early MTV like success stories of the mm-hmm. 90s. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people did dumb shit they saw on Beavis and Butthead. And I remember to someone distinctly somewhere in my mind. I don't remember where I heard it, but it was like Jackass is what happened for all the kids who somehow didn't die doing Beavis and Butthead stunts to yeah. get a check and shot. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's something else. It's, it's one of those weird things where I'm trying not to just be like that Chris Farley bit in Saturday Night Live where... He's talking to Paul McCartney and he's just like, you remember when you were in the Beatles? That was cool. Yeah. I'm just trying not to do that. I'm like, no, let's let's think about it. But let's not think too hard about it because we don't really need to unpack this this much. They don't no. think about it that much. Does no. it look good on camera? Does it make people laugh? That's about as smart as they got. Yeah. Johnny would always say it was just all about the footage. He didn't care about anything except the footage. Mm-hmm. And uh, just a quick note, since you brought up Beavis and Butthead, uh, some promotion here. Our uh, Patreon episode this month is going to be about all of the fires started due to Beavis and Butthead. So tune into yep. that, folks. Um, so, okay. Something else that we didn't talk about, which I think really um, deserves attention, is patron saint April Marchera and Bam's family. Because something we did talk about in the episode was a little bit about the idea of white male backlash, you know, when we started to take Jackass a little too seriously, or rather the culture that accepted Jackass, because we were Uh not talking about Jackass and the meaninglessness of these antics, but rather why our culture was like, bingo, this is exactly what I want. Uh And um, we talked about how in the... 90s we had third wave feminism and that really started to affect you know this from your show sort of the psychology of gender because we had teen girl movies we had boy bands that were steered by girls and suddenly there was like oh we have this backlash we have this blink 182 culture we have this m&m culture this uh Uh you know this anger at not being the center of attention though i don't believe jackass boys were doing that there's that's like an underlying mechanism right that's like happening in the background and jackass never had hardly any women at any point but they did have bam's mother april and she (laughs) i wanted to fit her in so bad because i think she deserves it because she's like one of the funniest Mm -hmm. women alive and so would you like to explain to us sort of the relationship of bam's family and what that was like and kind of where that went oh gosh i mean first and foremost did you watch any of bam's shows did you did you watch viva la bam and bam's unholy union i i didn't get to bam's unholy union i did watch some of viva la bam for sure but i started to age out you know what i mean i started to age out and you still had three years on me no, I, I get yeah. you. Um, Bam's Unholy Union is mostly a man not wanting to grow up where it's like, you're getting married, be an adult. And he's like, no, I'm going to be an irresponsible idiot yeah. forever. And and he did. He did it. It's not kind to think about in retrospect to him. But I don't know. I, I, I feel like when you look at the, the whole of Jackass, there really are the two camps that it was born of. Like there's the mommy and then there's the daddy and Jackass <laughs> is the baby where you have big brother and yeah. then you have... CKY. CKY's the mommy. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Let's gender. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think CKY could be the mommy. Probably. I mean, if nothing else, April is on that <laughs> side of things and she is clearly the yes. mom. But they have very different ethoses to them. They have very different, uh, like, modus operandi, mm-hmm. where I feel like specifically with Bam at the helm, you can distill that down to, like, today I'm going to beat the shit out of my dad. And yeah. there's, there's not a prank. It's not really anything no. clever. It is like, jackass in name to the fullest extent yeah and viva la bam is mostly scripted i imagine the scenarios are scripted the reactions i believe are like genuine but like there there's a lot more guiding than there are the spontaneity of jackass itself and april is just a, a, a saint phil is also lovely dude's so tolerant of all their bullshit yeah he he really is i know because like when you say i'm going to beat up my dad what he does is like run in and just start slapping his dad all over his body when he's in yeah. his underwear you know he's like it's on like, the toilet yeah he just comes in and he's like boom like opens the door and just starts you know just slapping the shit out of him and it, yeah. it's outrageous it's truly uh-huh. outrageous content and then they'll do something like poor april will walk into her home 
home and there's an actual alligator on the floor. And yes. that's one of my favorite scenes. And she doesn't understand if it's real. It's because she sells it. Yeah. She sells it. She really, really sells it. And I don't know, you know, I don't know how much of either of their reactions, especially in the early episodes are scripted i'm sure to some extent i mean they're aware they're on television if nothing else but um i also wonder like what was bam's growing up like with them because like Mm -hmm. johnny knoxville talks about how he grew up with his dad who was like a huge prankster and would like call people up that he knew and pretend to be a doctor and tell them they had an std Mm -hmm. but he talked about also kind of the negative side of his dad being an alcoholic and how he kind of was always trying to prove himself to his dad so it's like that child thing i wonder what their root is if it was bam and jess his brother who started all of this or if they're coming from a family where this is like kind of taught to them i don't know like it, does, it certainly doesn't get the impression when you're watching it that this is passed down from from Phil generation to generation yeah, yeah i feel like this is them just a part of like just two kids in Pennsylvania being left to their own devices because they have parents who are way more chill. Yeah, And totally. they came up in, like, skate culture and band culture. And, you know, re- regional punk rock and skate cultures are going to have, you know, uh, it's it's very much a Lord of the Fly situation. And oh, you're yeah. going to come out with some much better than others. Northeast Ohio, mostly pretty solid. Pennsylvania, hmm. I can't speak from experience. But <laughs> there are some bands that I really like that have came out of there. It, it, it's hard to say. Like, I feel like... Specifically with Bam, there's just a mean spiritedness that comes across with a lot of his pranks. And the best parts of all of those are Ryan Dunn, who is smarter and generally funnier than Bam, in my opinion. R.I.P. Ryan Dunn. He's from my neck of the woods. He's Mm. from Medina, Ohio. And the family had to be like, please stop leaving uh, condoms and toy cars on his tombstone. It costs a lot of money to clean oh it up. Oh my all the time. God. <laughs> that's, that's a thing with him. That's a reference, folks, to when uh, Ryan Dunn put a toy car in a condom and put mm-hmm. it up his ass and went and got x rayed by a very funny doctor. <laughs> he ended oh, up being so quite funny. funny. Uh, so that's that reference, just in case yeah. you uh, needed to know it. It's the it's the climax of the first movie. It is. It is. And he actually Steve-O refuses to do it because he said his dad made him draw a line there of all mm-hmm. places in the things that he's done, which is very interesting <laughs> in and of itself. That could be an episode all its own. Oh, for sure. But I, I mean, at least for me, I think the most entertaining parts of the CKY team is everyone who isn't Bam. And I'm not saying this just because like Bam's really just proven that he's He's not going to change and he's making bad decisions and even Steve-O has lost his patience with him. Yeah. That's not it. It's like, Phil is really funny. April is so funny. Like, one of my favorite pranks they ever do with her is when they just paint the entire kitchen blue. (laughs) Yeah. Apparently she hates the color blue. Oh my God. Yeah. So they like painted the bananas blue. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's like they're so that's beautiful that's a beautiful prank you know it's yeah. like geez it's just they really run the gamut on pranks in this show some of them were so adorable and innocent it's just the commitment i think it is the commitment more after this you ever notice how finding time and energy to do the most basic human necessity, eat literal food, has become just another exhausting task jammed into our increasingly inhuman schedules? Well, your spring can be a little more stress-free with Factor. Factor will provide you with delicious, never-frozen, ready-to-eat gourmet meals that are chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to eat in just two minutes. Each week, you get to choose from a menu of 35 options to create your perfect breakfast, lunch, or dinner with absolutely no prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. And Factor makes sure you get exactly what you want. You can tailor deliveries to your schedule and customize how many meals you want each and every week, and you can pause anytime. So just head to factormeals.com slash American Hysteria 50 and use code American American Hysteria 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code American Hysteria 50 at factormeals.com slash American Hysteria 50 to get 50% off your first box.
box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Check out Factor today. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com And now... Back to the show. Something else I was thinking about when making this episode a lot is just like Peter Pan syndrome, right? Which is something oh, yeah. that some guy, I don't know too much about it like specifically, but some guy wrote a book in the 80s or maybe it was even the 90s. It was like pretty close to, to jackass time. And uh, I don't know. I just think it is interesting that the only woman in jackass is their mother, their eternal mm-hmm. mother of everyone, of all of them. And she's always there and like this like source of like constant love and acceptance. <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. and it kind of it's just interesting because these are boys kind of, as you mentioned about Bam, no matter how sober they get or how much they change, which they a lot of them have, they still have this eternal, like they stopped at a certain point mm-hmm. in terms of their growth, not emotional growth, but just like personality growth, yeah. I think. And yeah, I just think included with so much of the, the millennium uh, in terms of culture was this we're going to be young forever. And I think, I mean, a lot of us still have that, but it was kind of a change in culture where it was like adulthood wasn't this strict line anymore. Oh, yeah. I mean, I have a million thoughts about everything you just said. I, <laughs> I have like a a big fascination with like the Peter Pan boys of the world, you know, whether that be your Michael Jackson's or your Tiny Tim's or Jim Steinman wanting to write teenage rock and roll songs well into his like 60s. <laughs> Same with Blink-182. I feel like they're yeah. still writing high school songs. <laughs> yeah. But like specifically, there's a lot of these like people who don't want to get old who are obsessed with Peter Pan and Neverland itself. And I find that quite fascinating. Yeah. But like to expand this out, there's two things that I find fascinating when you look at the most recent Jackass movie, not 4.5, forever itself. Mm -hmm. And compare that to everything else, which is they introduce Rachel Wolfson, who is like the first like official, you know, girl in the Jackass crew that isn't April. And I remember being like, oh, I wish they'd done more with her in Jackass forever because she's really funny for the bits that she has. But then I saw someone on Twitter say that like, there's a fine line between utilizing her versus utilizing any of the guys. And it's that if she did the majority of the things that they did, it would transition over from being comedy to fetish content. Oh, yeah. Nailed it. Because like, <laughs> yeah. if you actually think about that, it's like, oh, no, if she does anything with her body, if she gets covered in any kind of gunk or whatever, it immediately becomes fetish oh content. Oh, my God. And that shifts the fun-loving nature of what Jackass is about using your own body and putting yourself through things and is now going to, it's going to leave your field and it's going to be used by other people for things other than laughs. And I'm like, oh, fuck, that's awful and absolutely correct. Yeah, and very much not in the spirit of Jackass, like at Mm -hmm. all. There's like kind of an asexual, obviously not literally, but, you know, there's not a lot of, again, there's like no women in the show there's no like it's just guys being dudes it's just guys being dudes and it's so true and so it's like yes there aren't women but it doesn't feel somehow inherently sexist either Uh if that makes sense of course there you know of course there's like ryan dunn getting beat up by a girl and certain Uh things like that but pretty mild in terms of uh what's out there oh yeah It's, it's remarkable how much like the politics and the actual jokes of jackass have aged Pretty dang well, all things considered. Yeah, yeah. Certainly better than most of your peers, which is not something I think anybody could have predicted. But, like, 
even thinking about um, like these these men, these men as boys, these men who still want to be boys and wish that their bodies weren't breaking down and they could still do their stunts without dying. Mm hmm. If you watch all of the trailers, which I did right before we sat down to record, I watched the trailers for all four Jackass movies. Bless you. When they start out, it's like, the stuff too hot for TV. Uh, They called it the decline of um, youth of America. And just Mm -hmm, all of these disclaimers mm -hmm. mixed in with stunts. And then by the time you get to the fourth one, it's like playing Johnny Cash, We'll Meet Again. And it's like, when was the last time you actually got together with old friends and just laughed your ass off? And it's like, that's the purest sense of what Jackass is. But also it shows culturally how much these guys have changed. But it also makes me think that are they like this all the time? Like Steve-O has a podcast. He does stand-up. He does all these other things. Johnny Knoxville obviously has had a consistent acting career. I actually really loved him in Reboot. And I wish that show hadn't got canceled because it was wonderful. Did it get canceled? Yeah, it got canceled. Bad news. The cruel irony that Reboot is probably not going to get a reboot, which makes me super sad because I love the cast. <laughs> I know. I, I really, really like the cast. Yeah. It had yeah. Uh, what's her name from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which was such a great show, too. It had it's just the whole cast. Keegan-Michael Key's there. Yeah. I mean, I've been watching a lot of Key and Peele lately because I didn't have cable when they were on. And I'm like, yeah. God, I only got some sketches. But now I'm like retroactively going back to them like, these guys are so fucking funny and not oh, just because so Jordan Peele is one of the best directors currently working. Like it's amazing how much these guys are actually like genius comedians. I, yeah, I completely agree. And that's a uh-huh. very big loss for our world, yeah. but continue. <laughs> continue. Yeah. It's one of those things where considering how most of these guys, including the cameramen have known each other for so long, it's really fascinating to think like, you know, these guys do other things. They have sort of grown up. Like Johnny Knoxville is currently doing um, a, like a prank panel show. I heard. That I've watched a couple episodes of. It's pretty okay. Like it's, yeah. it's a network TV prank. So, you know, it's it's okay. Yeah. It's not as extreme as you would expect. But also, you know, you wind down with age a bit. So it makes sense, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But I, I wonder how much off camera when they're not performing, when they're not doing jackass stuff. These guys are like this. Or if it's like, hey, we're, we're, we got everyone back together and you just fall into it like you never left. Yeah, I hope it's like that. I think it's a bit of both. Like, I think they've yeah. learned how to be adults. Like, several of them are dads now. Yeah, yeah. And so mm-hmm. I think they're adults, but it's just like, here, we, 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 we've got playtime now. Yeah. We, we have yep. found a safe space where we can be children and be idiots and there's no one's going to judge us. And in fact, they're going to applaud us. <laughs> And we're going to get a bunch of money to bring uh-huh. home to our kids. Yeah. Yep. And wasn't Johnny Knoxville's daughter, I think, in one of the sketches? I believe she was Madison, the one uh-huh. he had pretty young. Yes. She also, yeah. um, in a blooper for the second movie when they're doing that musical number where it's it's the famous shot of, I think, I don't remember if it's Buster Keaton or Charlie Chaplin. I think it's Buster. With where the house. The it's house ga- yeah, it's down. Buster Keaton. Okay, uh-huh. that's what I thought. Where it falls down and they recreate it on like a saloon for Johnny Knoxville. Mm-hmm. They tell him. Stand here, don't move, or you're going to get hit. First take, he moves, immediately gets crushed by it. Yeah, it broke his arm or something. Yeah, well, they just like just squished him. He's just like a yeah. bug. Boom. And his daughter is screaming at him, calling him like an idiot. Why did you move from <laughs> off camera? <laughs> wow, wow. So, like, they're on set, specifically for, like, the bigger productions. I think they just bring the whole family around. Yeah, that's so nice. I love that. Now, you and I have differing gender experiences from the mainstream. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, for me growing up, jackass was a symbol of my chance to hang out with the guys. Mm -hmm. I mentioned in the episode, you know, we had our camera. We just filmed all these ridiculous stunts and pranks and they were terrible and our terrible skateboarding attempts and all of that kind of stuff. And it felt very validating for me at that time, 12 years old. You know, I'm starting to figure it out Mm -hmm. without real words, but I know something's up, I know something's different, and I know something like is on the horizon that I'm pretty scared to deal with. But it was like the skate culture and the those guys pulling pranks and having fun like that, there was like some difference between them. And I don't want to like say jocks because it wasn't, at, at least at my school, jocks weren't like a whole thing as much, but they were like... It wasn't like an 80s stereotype. Not, no, and I don't know, maybe it was in other places, but basically the popular guys were like everybody that were kind of mean and you were kind of scared of them and they acted just like, you know, 
they were better and you were you were annoying or you were and they were just like very cruel of course mm -hmm. and so thinking about how like actually these guys who were being loud and obnoxious and ridiculous felt like like a pretty safe space for me you know even though i was a girl quote unquote and skateboarding and a lot of people treat you like shit for that or make fun of you but i don't know it was like that was like a very safe place for me to be able to just be a boy and mm -hmm. have no um repercussions for that and have no question about that because obviously in the year 2000 conversations around gender were quite different mm -hmm. and uh yeah i just think it was especially skateboarding which feels int intrinsically tied to jackass and intrinsically mm -hmm. tied to sort of this reckless abandon that i don't know that like i got access to even though i was considered someone as a girl who should not have any access to that type of behavior but just hanging out with these guys and like you know my family just kind of didn't i didn't have a ton of supervision so i was able to just go out and learn the ways of the boys and uh and it felt like a very healing and special thing for me and so i'm curious because you have a little bit of an opposite experience so yeah. what was what was it like for you i mean you're a little younger too but i imagine you kept up with this these guys throughout the 2000s and stuff so what do you think about it in that lens i think that obviously in in terms of like masculinity this is going to vary from case to case because i think the more small town america you get the more like jocks and like classic football yeah. culture becomes it holds true to the stereotype like, I'm from yes. a town of, like, 10,000, and usually the most popular kids in school were the, the athletes or the kids with the most money. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. It's every John Hughes stereotype you could ever imagine. Every Billy Zabka of the world, minus being able to kick ass at martial arts. So, I think that that's what we in this country specifically think of when we think of masculinity. You know, athletics, toughness. And I think that Jackass is just a really... Uh, healing portrayal of what masculinity is in a healthy sense. Mm -hmm. And it never really made me like I, I was already part of the boy club by default. So like sure, sure. The, so the sausage <laughs> fest of this was just like, oh, yeah, this is just this is just a Tuesday, yeah. <laughs> you know, but oh. I think it's just a really healthy way of looking at things where, you know, I'm in marching band and we're changing out of our uniforms after a game. And it's like, hey, we're all just naked and we're just guys being dudes. And maybe we'll just be like a little gay on each other because it's funny. But, you know, if anything else, you can just say no homo or whatever. And it's fine. Yep. But, uh -huh. <laughs> Cancels it out. <laughs> yeah, of course. That just makes it go away. But like it just felt like it was. It was a gay joke that made it okay to experiment with gay. Yeah. It's like, you know, give it that old college tribe, like, let's experiment with our bodies, but instead yeah. we're hurting ourselves. Yeah. But it was also, yeah, it's like every time a stunt happens, you watch the jackass guys who are like always shirtless, it seems, mm -hmm. you know, just like hugging and, and doing things that... Yeah. Other groups like jocks, you know, I guess jocks will do like a pat on the ass. I don't even know if they do that anymore. <laughs> I, I don't know either. I hope they do. I like when they do that. <laughs> so the jackass guys, right, are like jumping around, hugging each other. And it is like, I mean, even Steve-O and Knoxville have talked about how they, and I don't know if this is like in retrospect and they're kind of, you know, Mm -hmm. assigning some good intentions to their past selves or if they really were thinking about this but they have talked about on steve-o's podcast i think or an interview about how they wanted to make heterosexual america like uncomfortable mm -hmm. and to normalize sort of that type of gayness or you know and it was like you can look back at it and be like oh that was a joke or whatever but then when you put it in context it was like the homophobia that was happening at that time was like still really cruel and it was like you know so it was like yeah there's a joke happening here and there's like a little bit of a parody or you know and i read academic papers that were like lambasting jackass for being homophobic or being you know aggressively heterosexual and that's just not my experience at all mm -hmm. and i read a lot of amazing pieces by you know queer gay and trans people who were like this was everything <laughs> to me growing up mm -hmm. so i think you can go either way but i think putting it in context is so important because seeing a group of just like very different types of bodies 
like just coming together and joking around and touching each other's dicks, but it's mm-hmm. just a joke. But that's a bit, it was like, it's like so funny to say, but it was a huge step for heterosexual men to stop being so frighteningly homophobic because of whatever, you know, it's like there's that cliche of of people who are homophobic are actually secretly gay, which is not something I personally subscribe to. But I Same. think that there are there are maybe perhaps some gay feelings that they have had momentarily because they, most of us have some sort of gay feeling here or mm-hmm. there or straight feeling here or there. And so, yeah, to see that against a culture that is actually still violent and coming off of the Reagan years and the Bush years and then the next Bush years, Mm -hmm. it was, you know, they're pushing up against something so dark and so violent and inherently just like verging on evil. If we think about Mm -hmm. Reagan's treatment of AIDS or we think about just the, the violence that was occurring. And then you have these guys who are just normalizing things that before would have like gotten your ass kicked. Yeah. I mean, I think about the 90s as I remember them. And usually a good way to chart the 90s as being like, well, what music was popular? You know, you can mm-hmm. you can figure yeah. out for a long time, like what the trends were based on what music was currently big. And think about the Woodstock 99 of it all. You know? <gasps> I can think about that all day. <laughs> oh, yes. The, the, the Limp Bizkits, the Corns, just angry white boy rap you know <gasps> that that was my brother my brother had a red fitted of sn- hat like not i was about to say a snapback like no it's fred durst fitted. oh he wanted to be fred durst he wanted to be eminem so bad uh-huh. he was so angry Oof. violently angry and in the response to that like the other side of that coin of like the woodstock 99 coin is the the pop punk that emerges from blink 182 yes. and them selling a billion records this is not blink 182 it's not Definitely not corn, but it's coming out of the same sort of the, the, the same seeds of skater culture that Bink 182 is. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's really fascinating to look at Jackass and think like this wasn't supposed to be big. MTV probably greenlit this because it cost no money to make. Yeah. They didn't give them insurance. Like the first movie, they didn't even insure the whole movie. They just insured some of the stunts if they thought they needed insurance. And they paid the guys like $200 for a prank and 500 for a stunt. Yeah. And that's all they got. Yeah. yeah. It cost nothing to make yep. because like this is this is the virgining reality TV sphere yes, that we're seeing, the model. you know. Mm-hmm. So I had think don't think they had any illusions about this becoming a hit, much less like a phenomenon that would get them on the cover of Rolling Stone and like oh, a no. multi-movie franchise. Yeah. So yes. everything that you look at with this, it is counterculture to the bones because it's not meant to have been as large as it was. It just Absolutely. happened to appeal to, you know, people like us, but also people who want to be like, men fall down. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, people people who misunderstand Rage Against the Machines and lyrics right. and go, oh, when he says, fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. He's talking about my mom. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, people who don't understand anything like I, I think there is a broad approach to it, but like the deeper meaning to it, recognizing like the finite details of not being uncomfortable with like the gayness of it. Like it re- it really can't be understated how big of a deal it is. I know. In in retrospect. It's, it's so, and I mean, even going back to Woodstock 99, because I just always want to talk about Woodstock 99. Oh, yeah. Like that's the same. I mean, that is the year that Jackass is like forming itself to be ready to be put out. I mean, it's essentially mm-hmm. the same exact moment. Mm-hmm. And we have this intense like if I were to ever don't don't quote me. If I were to ever think something was a fucking satanic ritual, it would have been Woodstock 99 yeah. because it was just like Fred Durst, you know, standing up in this sea of if you guys haven't watched the Woodstock 99 documentaries, I highly recommend it. But there's just like a sea. I mean, how do you know? Remember how many people was it Woodstock 99? Uh, too many. 
<laughs> I watched yeah, the Woodstock documentary and then was very mad at some of the glaring omissions they had from it. Oh, absolutely. I, I know what you're talking about. But yeah, it was like just a sea of people who were like losing their minds because, you know, they didn't have enough food and enough water, but also mm-hmm. because there was this like toxic masculinity that felt almost like primordial or something like it's a terrifying it's one of the scariest movies i've ever seen in my life oh for sure and i think that you know like the women who were harmed at that festival it also reminded me i don't know how much you know about evil knievel a fair amount (laughs) but there was what they called the evil twin of woodstock 69 was this evil Knievel performance that is so much like Woodstock 99, but in 74. Mm-hmm. And he was jumping a canyon in a rocket. And, he, and there was just like tens of thousands of young people there. And they like lit the porta potties on fire. They like knocked the trucks mm-hmm. over. They like there was all these horrible assaults uh, on men and women. Just like it was an absolute you know, horrible nightmare. And we kind of compare what was happening in the 70s with second wave feminism and that white male backlash that kind of came with the stuntmen and like the streaking craze in a, more innocently. But just this like male, like I'm going to assert myself again mm-hmm. um, in whatever way will get me attention. Like I'm going to rocket my ass across this canyon or I'm going to like make everyone look at my dick as I run through town. Mm-hmm. Then, yeah, you have kind of that happening in a much scarier way in 99, probably because there were just more people. And I don't know, I think that there's something there about how, and you kind of already said this, but like Jackass, like the guys of Jackass, I don't feel would have had a good time at Woodstock 99. Like, I don't think that they would have, I think they would have seen it for what it was because I just don't sense a ton and they're all individual people, but there just wasn't a ton of like toxic masculinity happening in these Mm -hmm. shows. And maybe if there would have been more women present, we would have seen that. But I still, you know, I mean, they just kind of were always of the mind of like, it's not funny for girls to get hurt, (laughs) you know, and (laughs) it's not as funny. We love to watch men get hurt and then we feel bad when women get hurt. That's why the concept of the final girl exists. Yep. Yep. But I think when (laughs) I, I think of Jackass versus like Woodstock 99, what it boils down to is good pit etiquette. If you're in the pit and some dude falls down, you scoop them up so they don't get trampled to death. Oh, yeah. Versus like the one dude who goes into the pit specifically being like, I'm going to throw punches. I'm going to throw kicks. I'm going to fuck everyone up. And if you have cultivated a good scene around a band or a good scene for the venue or like a local scene or whatever, then everyone will go, no, fuck this. We don't tolerate this shit. Yeah. And they'll scoop this dude out. But if you don't have that, if something if something grows unnaturally too quickly, like Woodstock '99, like yeah, Woodstock '99. I'm speaking of '90. I'm thinking of ska specifically. Sure, sure, sure. Ska ska had a very natural uh, slow progression. There's a documentary called Pick It Up, as well as the In Defense of Ska book by Aaron Carnes. But I think Pick It Up is a much more succinct, uh, streamlined way of getting this information. It's a movement that grew out of like the new wave scene of the '80s. Throughout the 80s, in the early 90s, it started to get a ground swelling, specifically across like the Midwest where bands were popping off. And then records execs in the mid 90s went, huh, there's something to this. Let's churn this up and spit this out. Like punk rock with ska? I don't know what ska is. It's got horns. Great. Cool. Sign Real Big Fish. Sign Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. Less than Jake. (laughs) No doubt. Sign Less than Jake struggled to get signed, actually. I like them. (laughs) I like Less than Jake. Like they're solid. But like sublime like date rape where everyone's just yeah. like going to sublime shows because they're like play date rape uh-huh. Uh-huh. Fucked in pr- get fucked in the butt in prison play date rape uh-huh. like uh-huh. it then blew things up to the point where it wasn't a scene of people dancing at ska shows anymore it was people now moshing and throwing yes. fists because it, it was people who were not naturally part of this who came for the mainstream of it, for the punk rock of it, not mm-hmm. the ska punk of it. And mm-hmm. when things grow, uh, when they leave your neighborhood too quickly right. or too unnaturally, right. then it is exposed to the elements of everyone. Yeah. And I think that that's something could have gone really, really wrong with Jackass, particularly in those early years of like the show and the first movie. If they were if, if it was less capable hands less less trusting endearing people i think that this could have gone real belly up real fast which is why i think at least 
to some extent, Steve-O and like Johnny Knoxville and all them saying that like there was an ethos to try and make the homophobes at MTV uncomfortable. I think even if it wasn't a conscious effort per se, there is truth to that because it feels really evident. Yes, absolutely. And that feeling of being, I know that mosh pit feeling, I was definitely like a warped tour person. Mm -hmm. And I could crowd surf real easy because I was real small and it was fun and people liked to toss me around. But there was like a true care, like even at warped tour until there was that one person, like you're Mm -hmm. saying, that Woodstock 99 came in around all of the jackasses and there Mm -hmm. was a clear like delineation between behavior where it's like, no you're like you're too and I mean it was because I was a girl like they were extra protective of me which is very different than say Woodstock 99 where Mm -hmm. we're watching people crowd surf and get groped versus me feeling protected by these like giant sweaty punks Mm -hmm. of all ages you know I'm like 12 years old and they're just protecting (laughs) me and you know even the security guards were just like get her out like pick her up go and it was just like there was like a lot of love and care and even in mosh pits where you're like swinging around and and like I went in to one actually recently because I was like I have some like I could work something out in this mm-hmm. mosh pit you know and I went in there and it was just like I don't know we called it in the episode like a beautiful danger where it's like yeah. you know you're you need that like you need that feeling sometimes and you need to come close to to something and I, it's something I get a little ineffable like I can't quite get there but that's the term that I keep coming to is like that experience of coming close to something that could be harmful and just teetering on that edge and that feeling that you can get from that. And that's very much a mosh pit feeling and it's very much a skateboarding feeling. And it's just, you know, I guess extreme sports or even sports, but just that those moments that you're like suspended in this, this thing that it's just hard to explain, but it is in jackass, perhaps it's like best iteration. Oh yeah. Way healthier than like something like flatliners. (laughs) <laughs> where you're trying to die and yeah, yeah. And come back like, to life. I don't know. This is also, it feels like a testament to the human spirit Yeah. where it's like, oh, you're overcoming something either personally or as like an achievement where it's like, yeah, we've been trying to light a fart on fire underwater for 20 years. Anyway, we finally did <laughs> for it. For 20 years. Yeah. It's like, I don't know, just it's, it's, it's the same sensation that I get when I watch like an okay go video or something where it's like, no, there's an easier oh, way I to have done those. this. But Uh you decided to do it the difficult way that proves like the commitment to human spirit. Jackass Mm -hmm. is just a really dumb version of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) More after this. And now back to the show. Um, Okay. Since we've been really like loving and appreciative what would be your if there was a critique if you thought they should do something differently and i mean we can you know we can look back now we're looking back in retrospect right Mm -hmm. at this long-term project of jackass which is different in 2020 because they've added like two black people and one woman into the cast right um i mean you know the woman doesn't have a ton of airtime but she's there and uh they're they're all fantastic performers all the new cast I just really like the young cast. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like what if we had the magic of going back in time, what would we have done to make Jackass better in some way? I mean, I feel like if you're going to really do that, obviously you could say representation. That would be great. Mm -hmm. Obviously. Yeah. Beyond something as simple like that. Revisiting the show is not only a little difficult, but it's not not in terms of like, oh, it's really hard to go back and watch the show. Like, yeah, it's physically fucking difficult to go back and <laughs> rewatch is. the show because it's similar to Beavis and Butthead. A lot of the purest sense of it doesn't exist because a lot of the music they don't have licensing to. And mm-hmm. as a result, like, I think Paramount Plus has a number of the episodes, but they don't even have like half of them because of too much music licensing issues or because of other things. Who knows? Yeah. But, I'll be watching it and it will be a scene that has like a misfit song and the subtitles will have the lyrics for the song, but it's just some like generic hard rock thing going over the stunt. It changes everything. It's really, it's not future proofed as far as like 
furthering the, the the preservation of this is concerned, which is unfortunate. But beyond that, they sort of take the Looney Tunes or like Tex Avery approach to certain episodes mm-hmm. where at the very start, it'll say, hey, there's some culturally insensitive stuff in this episode. <laughs> yeah, uh, We thought it was cool at the time, but we're just going to show it in its entirety rather than just try to scrub it from the internet, which... I think is the better way to do something. Yeah, I think, you I know, agree. hey, uh, the World War II propaganda films with Bugs Bunny, they're pretty ugly, but I would prefer you not pretend it didn't happen. Yes, absolutely. But yeah, like usually that happens and then we're sitting there and we're watching and we're like, okay, well, what's it going to be? What's it going to be? And it's like, it's Pontius dressed as a Native American yes. riding <laughs> a wooden horse down a ramp. Got it. That's the bit. That's a thing where I reflect on edgelord humor in those senses mm, like mm-hmm. this particularly like early internet edgelord humor you know the the something awfuls in the e-bombs worlds rod.com yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah. i didn't spend mm-hmm. too much time on these sites because we didn't have good enough internet for a lot of it that's probably good <laughs> yeah probably i mean i've probably. seen blue waffle i've seen meat spin you know i've, I've been around the block enter at your own risk folks yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but i want to say that i wish things like that didn't exist but at the same time it is weirdly aged so much better despite having no checks and balances just none i think that mtv kind of gave themselves a pass where it's like the show's called jackass which means we can put whatever we want on it because you're expecting yep. the worst. It's called Jackass. Yeah. And so it's just a bunch of people in their spare time filming nonsense. And somehow it is not nearly as like horrible and offensive and edgy as stuff that would follow it. Yeah. So I wish people had taken like the good thing, but I guess it was maybe the idea of the worst thing about it is everyone being like, oh, I have to top this now. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. 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 Like, yeah. You laid down this little bit, but you didn't go far enough. And yeah. As a society, certainly in America, as I recall it, and from what I've read, and we really were taking shock comics in the 90s and in the 2000s, and we were just kind of like, no, man, I'm a maverick. I'm disarming words by saying yeah. racist terms and, and yes. being homophobic. I'm disarming it because I'm making it not scary because it's being normalized. And at the time, people thought they were actually doing something because yeah. uh, something's only progressive like that in uh, in retrospect perhaps like we didn't it's think that true. jackass was progressive at the time no but it was extremely progressive when you look at like how its trajectory has been and how we as a society have changed so i don't know i just i think of this in like a big messy cocktail of thoughts you know yep yep no those are all great thoughts and i think like to their credit too everyone is consenting to their pranks now like Uh anyone experiencing jackass is a bystander at this point i think unless i'm forgetting but you know like my least 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 favorite jackass stunt is i could still laugh at it but it's the (laughs) knoxville on the bike with the baby in the baby seat and he falls down and the doll like flies out or hits the ground like it's it's that is bad like it's so bad but it's so good it's like i so like stuff like that i'm like you can't make a bunch of people think the baby died. You can't do that. No. You know? No. Or like you go back to CKY even worse when they used to throw dummies mm-hmm. off of like short overpasses onto cars and you see the guy like go and try to fight Bam and stuff because mm-hmm. he's like, you can't throw a dummy on my car. It's like yeah. those types of things. Like they were very big brother. They were very CKY. They took yeah. some of that to jackass and then they just were like, no, we're not going to involve outsiders in our pranks except as like witnesses to it and then i think afterwards they go to them and like are you know i think that it's explained to them they obviously consent if their face Mm -hmm. is on in the movie so it's it's just a different way of interacting because i really don't like pranks on people who are unwilling targets generally so i think that they grew that way too and uh everybody in jackass is even though they don't know what's going to happen they're still all there and they're making that choice to be there and i think that that alone was like a big like show of growth and empathy and stuff for sure because like there are multiple bits that they had during the television show where they got the cops called on him, um, like the Pontius bit where uh, he's naked and tied up in a trunk. 
and they yeah, the yes. and he runs down like a, a busy street thinking he escaped from a kidnapping. Yes. The cops call, called on that one. There's an unaired episode, uh, a bit from the show where Knoxville put on like an orange prison jumpsuit and then went to a hardware store going like, and he's handcuffed and going like, right. man, can you just help me? I need a saw. They called the cops on them. He ended up having to give like lay face down on the concrete. And this is like long before the it's a prank bro thing. Yes. Was there. Yes. So these cops are like, why are you filming this? What the <laughs> fuck are you doing? So I think that they learned the hard way, something that a lot of people with less experience doing stunts and pranks uh, have also learned, mm-hmm. but don't have a, they don't have the checks and balances. They don't have friends necessarily to talk them in or out of things or refine ideas. I think anytime you watch one of those infamous like YouTube prank goes wrong things that ends up making the news all the time where it's like yeah. person died getting eaten by a lion or something because yes. they wanted to film a prank video. Those are them already starting at like a nine, like yeah. on terms of like extreme because we've raised the bar so high and they didn't have the luxury of being like, cool, we got away with Pontius running down the street naked and managed to evade the police. Yes. Like they're already starting way higher and that is not a fault of jackass per se. It's a fault of how we have just raised, uh, I, I guess we as a culture demand or expect higher things in order for something to go viral yeah like the attention economy you have to yeah you have to re- you have to give something people haven't seen before in order to do it and jackass does that by having personalities you know that you're you're, yeah. you're there to watch the people do things Absolutely. and also they have a budget to do like ludicrously intricate fun stunts they can they can do something like build a giant hand and smack <laughs> cleveland's that. worst celebrity machine gun Kelly in the face with it. That was fun. <laughs> it was fun. I, it was fun. I, it's the most I've ever liked machine gun Kelly. Yeah. Flying into that pool. Didn't he get hit into yeah. a pool? Yeah. Yeah. I, I so, agree. I don't know. I feel like you can see the influence of this and also just where we have come in the last 25 years and how much the bar has been raised. And that's getting into like, not in terms of People are making like more racist stunts than Jackass was doing. People have learned like, well, what can we do and get away with? I'm going to put myself in danger, Mm -hmm. but they've not learned how to do so safely or smart. Yeah. And not thinking beyond, you know, I mean, Johnny Knoxville didn't really think beyond the footage either, I guess. But yeah, there's just a spirit to Jackass that's even hard to put into words. We've tried our best for sure. Um, I mean, I think, I think we've been trying really hard. <laughs> I think we've tried really hard, but I do feel that it's like this ineffable thing or something. It's one of those you get it or you don't things. Yeah, yeah. I can't convince someone to like this if this isn't their flavor. You know? No, and we wouldn't try because no. it either is or it isn't. But the importance of it, which is what we try to get across in our episode, is not specifically jackass but the time period that allowed jackass to become like the big superstars of Mm -hmm. like an entirely new millennium like that's pretty wild that they were kind of these kings that came in and uh altered culture in such a huge way um Mm -hmm. so on our ending note is there like something that we haven't talked about in terms of jackass that you find like true value in i mean it's the love Mm -hmm. like Something that we haven't brought up is like um, MTV did an entire documentary about trying to rebuild Steve-O when he was at his most self-destructive, when he was at his most like fucked up and dude got his life together and he got clean and he's been sober for a while now. And like, it's a... It's probably the same camaraderie you see with like old army vets who serve together or something where it's just like, ah, these we've, we've seen a lot of hard times, you know, me, me and Chris Pontius here. That's a good impression. That sounds exactly like his podcast. He's got such a gravelly voice now. Yeah. (laughs) But it's, uh, I don't know. It's, I think that it's, it's just the love that I think is truly the most valuable thing. It's for, for me. I saw Jackass Forever in a theater that was like privately rented out at like 930 at night on a Sunday or something in like the heart of the pandemic. And I thought, oh, no, I really want to see this movie that initially I didn't even want. I didn't even want a fourth Jackass movie because I'm like the third one ended on a good note and Ryan Dunn's dead. And yeah. I don't know if I want to watch them die for my amusement because mm-hmm. they're or get like and- seriously hurt. Yeah. At minimum. Knoxville almost actually yeah. died. His brain started hemorrhaging after he got hit by a bull. 
But then they gave me the trailer and it was like the sensation where everyone's like, oh, my God, it's the Millennium Falcon. I'm crying. Yeah. Yeah. It's just seeing them all again. I'm like, I'm just excited to see these dudes and I'm excited to see them together and get to do things they love together. I cried. Oh, I got so emotional. I I was in physical pain watching in the theater with like the 12 people that we had because it was first of all, it was the pandemic. So I'm like, everyone's wearing a mask. But I'm laughing so hard, I can't breathe. And then I'm trying to like catch my breath without coughing because sometimes when you laugh so hard you can't breathe, you just like uh, uh, yeah. you like reset your your lungs. But I'm like, no, I yeah, can't right. cough. We're in a pandemic. Everyone's gonna think I'm sick. So then I'm like holding in coughs and like my chest and my abs hurt for like an hour until we get out. So like I was in physical pain. Trying to just restrain yourself. Yeah. Right. It was you know what? I'm suffering with them. It's it's a communal experience. But it was truly like an hour and a half where I got to forget that everything was bad. Yeah. And that's what you want out of a movie. That's what the whole Nicole Kidman, we come here because magic (laughs) promo that you see people make fun of and ran into the ground is about, right? I come there for magic and to forget the world and go on an adventure and see friends be friends and love and support each other and dudes hugging. I know. It's a lot of like love and togetherness and at this point, warmth like it was yeah, always there so, but it's yeah. so much more overt now oh my god it's just it's just it's just wonderful it, it's it, i find it heartwarming in a way that no one would have called this show heartwarming in 2001 no but it absolutely is and it's also partially i think as you brought up like ryan dunn dies right he dies in this car accident and they were all so close and they loved him so much and like it affected bam I believe probably the most. Oh, I, don't, they, I don't think he's ever recovered. No, I don't think he's ever recovered. And he's dealing with like so much mental illness, so much drug addiction, and mm-hmm. he's just been struggling so much and, you know, doing fucked up shit along the way for sure. And mm-hmm. he, but you know, the guys, like, it's just so obvious how much they still like love him and want him. Mm-hmm. Like he wasn't allowed to come back for the last movie because, you know, in his contract, he needed to be sober. He's very mm-hmm. upset about that. But like, that's a loving action. Like nobody didn't want Bam to be in the movie. They just didn't want like, oh yeah, they didn't want to enable this person. And they probably couldn't imagine filming with this person who was so unstable at the time. But like, you know, Steve-O, as you mentioned, like getting sober and like how proud everyone is. Like they're this family that like has so much genuine care and like real care, like taking action care, like mm-hmm. helping him go to rehab. You know, it's just like Steve-O took him on tour. Yeah, exactly. He was doing like a uh, club shows for like stand up and stuff. And he's like, I'm going to take Bam on tour. And I'm going to just give him something to get out there. I'm going to basically be his his accountability buddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice reference. Thank you. It worked <laughs> uh-huh. for a little bit. And then Steve-O basically said on his thing, like, oh, yeah, like, he was good. He was fine. And then he got fucked up and started, like, neglecting his kids and just, yeah. I couldn't be around that anymore because that's bad for me at that point. Yeah. So, like, they've made every effort to help him because they all genuinely love each other. Like, I've listened to the commentary on Jackass number two. And I think every single person in the cast, maybe Ryan Dunn's not there. I don't remember, but they're all there except Bam. And they spend the whole movie shitting on Bam because he's not there. And (laughs) even that is with love. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's, it's truly just guys who are ride or die for each other in a, such a genuine way that you don't see because like, what makes Jackass such a pure entity is it's like, well, what genre is this? Like I said, yeah. it was a body horror comedy and like, that's true, but it's also a reality show. It's a clip show. It's a stunt show. It's a comedy purely. It's kind of a drama at times. Yeah, like at times, it's yeah. an undescribable experience when relating to any other form of film, but because it's so unique from any TV show or certainly any movies, you're watching real life people grow old together mm-hmm. and be around each other in a way that like, you know, the real housewives of New York or whatever reunion show isn't going to be the same thing as this. Yeah, like, yeah. oh, well, where are they now? We're watching uh, that 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 new real world where they brought back all of the cast. From... Oh, I want to watch that. I haven't done it yet. Oh, my wife BJ loves it. Oh, yeah. Um, she, it was very important for her. But 
I think it's like New Orleans maybe, but they brought him back like 20 years later. And that's interesting because like obviously we've changed a lot since then. They've changed a lot since then. So like that's a fascinating like character study as like people and like as a society. And also apparently none of them wanted to participate in like stage reality TV show drama uh, for like the fame of it, which is fascinating. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there's there's a big intermission there. Yeah. Yeah. We had a big gap between Jackass 3 and 4, which Jackass 3 is the best 3D movie I've ever seen in a theater, by the way. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but they were still around. Like They were ever present. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like watching these real life people who are the same on screen as off screen. Like I'm watching a real life friend group just do things consistently and studying them and studying the way that society had rejected them, but also accepted them and like kind of thing we're better off for it in terms of just watching how like the trailers marketed the films it's yeah it's truly one of a kind in a way that cannot be duplicated organically yeah i agree and it is like getting to know you know of course we don't know their full personalities but in terms of celebrities and especially at that time before we had social media it's like we got to know these people in a way where like their faults became like something we cared about too. And Mm -hmm. like, it wasn't like, oh, they're just like, they did a fucked up thing. We're like, wow, we have this entire life context for this person's pain. And that's also Mm -hmm. really interesting. And um, again, to bring it back to kind of like the toxic masculinity of the 90s and 2000s. And of course, today, um, I sounded like a radio station, toxic masculinity (laughs) of the 80s, 90s and today. But just like a group of guys hugging, taking care of each other, giving a real shit that they're like Mm -hmm. mentally healthy and like doing the steps and like forgiving and like always being willing to forgive. Like they're all like, as soon as Bam gets help, he's back. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like, this is like, it's a rare thing to bear witness to. It happens all the time, but like to have an entire nation like bear witness to like the love that is possible between men, I think was like Mm -hmm. maybe the greatest thing that they contributed to our society yeah i mean everyone talks about like fast and the furious it's like oh it's about family and i'm like i don't feel that family's love the way i feel this family's love yeah hell yeah they got there in four movies (laughs) i love it well thank you so much harmony this has been an absolute delight um i'm sure we'll talk plenty more about jackass when uh i get to see you in la (laughs) sometime again of course but yeah, thank you so much. And uh, you guys, make sure you listen to This Ends at Prom. Uh, it's one of my most favorite podcasts ever. And uh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. It was lovely just getting to scream about this show. Yeah. All of its beauty and butts and farts and dicks. Yep. And BJ was the one, uh, your wife, BJ, texted me and was like, Harmony <laughs> loves Jackass. And I was like, yeah. Harmony is the one for our show. So, yeah, thank you so much. And uh, that's all. That's all, folks. <laughs> this was American Hysteria. Make sure you subscribe to This Ends at Prom. It's one of my favorite podcasts out there. And make sure you check out the rest of Harmony's work as well. If you want to get more of our show, you can head to patreon.com slash American Hysteria, where you can get ad-free early episodes. You can get added to our close friends only Instagram, where you'll get to see the journey of the episodes as they're being made. And you'll get access to Hysteria Home Companion, a talk show I do with producer Miranda about the stories that were cut from the episodes. That's patreon.com slash American Hysteria hysteria. This episode has sound design by Clear Camo Studios, was produced and edited by Miranda Zickler, and hosted by me, Chelsea Weber-Smith. Thanks as always for listening, and may some spark of the spirit of jackass still live within your aging soul. Have a great week.